I'm giving myself permission to move on, as my psychobabbling counselor used to put it. Part of moving on is belonging to the breakfast group with my new friends, Liz, Julia, and Karen. I met these women in my journal writing class, and forming these new relationships is one of the positive changes I've made. That and continuing to write in my journal. I'm glad the four of us have decided to continue seeing each other, even though the class isn't being offered again. Thursdays for breakfast was an inspired idea. Liz suggested we each pick a word for the year before we meet next Thursday morning at Mocha Moments. A word. I haven't quite figured out which word would best suit me. I've toyed with the idea of beginnings, as in new beginnings, but I don't want to carry that theme around with me for the next twelve months. At some point, beginnings have to become middles, and potential has to be realized. I guess I'm afraid I won't be as successful as I want to be. What I really need to do is discover who I am now that I'm single again. For twenty-three years, my identity was linked to Michael. We were a team, complementing each other's strengths and weaknesses. I was always better with finances, and Michael was the people person. He took a part-time job selling cars the first year we were married in order to supplement our budget, and quickly became the top salesman. Soon he was working full time at the Chevrolet dealership, and I was stretching every dollar he made, creating a small nest egg. Then we had the chance to buy the dealership, the opportunity of a lifetime. We scraped together every penny we could. By the time the paperwork was finished, we didn't have a cent between us. But we were happy. I can't write about that. Don't want to dwell on how happy we were in those early years. Whenever I think about it, I feel overwhelmed by the pain of loss and regret. So much regret. Word. I need a word. Not memories. I can't tie my new identity to the past and to who I was. I've got to look toward the future. So I need a word that fits who I am today, the woman I'm becoming. The woman I want to be. Just a minute here, just a damn minute. Who I was, who I want to be. Why do I have to change? There's nothing wrong with me. I wasn't the one who ripped the heart out of this family. I was a good wife, a good mother. I was faithful. Faithful. That's it. My word. From the moment I spoke my vows. I was faithful to my husband, my marriage, my family. All these years, I've been faithful to myself. I've never acted dishonestly, and I've always put my family responsibilities above my own desires. I don't need to find myself. I found out who I am a long time ago, and frankly, I happen to like that person. I wasn't the one who changed. Michael did. <sighs> This feels good. The burden isn't on my shoulders to prove one damn thing. I'll remain faithful to me. Happy New Year, Claire Craig. You're going to have a wonderful year. Mom, can we talk? Claire Craig glanced up from her desk to find Alex, her seventeen-year-old son, standing in the doorway of the family room. The holiday break was already over. School had begun earlier in the week. Mick had left that morning for college in San Francisco. 
Claire gave her younger son her full attention. What can I do for you? He hesitated, then spoke. Mick and I had a long talk last night. Claire had surmised as much. She heard them in Alex's bedroom sometime after midnight, deep in conversation. He's upset with me. Mick is? What for? Alex shrugged and looked away. If you and your brother had a falling out, why don't you just tell me instead of expecting me to guess? He raised his head and their eyes met briefly. Because I'm afraid you're going to react the same way Mick did. Oh? And how's that? He shrugged and looked away again. Claire recognized a delaying tactic when she saw one. Alex? He took a deep breath and squared his shoulders. All right, he said brusquely. I've been talking to Dad. Claire swallowed hard. But a small, shocked sound still managed to escape. She felt as though she'd taken a punch to the solar plexus. Alex watched her anxiously. Are you mad? I don't want you to feel like I've betrayed you, too. That's what Mick said I was doing. First Dad, and now me. Mom, I swear to you, it isn't like that. He is your father, Claire said to remind herself as much as her son. You two should be communicating. You don't mind? His obvious relief was painful to hear. She swallowed tightly. Alex, you're my son, but you're also your father's. I can't forgive him for what he did. I know, Claire whispered wishing she could hide the trembling in her voice. Her son glanced at his watch and did a startled double-take. I'm late for soccer practice. She waved toward the door. Go on, then. Dad said he might start coming to my games, Alex said. The words rushed as he hurried to the door. Alex? Sorry, Mom, gotta go. Oh, great. Now she had to worry about running into her ex at their son's soccer games. Almost immediately the resentment sprang up as strong as the day Michael had left her. He'd already taken so much. How dared he steal the pleasure she derived from watching Alex play soccer? How dared he? Once again, her ex-husband had gone behind her back. From the Diary of Liz Kenyon January 1st For the first time in my 57 years, I spent New Year's Eve alone. I ordered in Chinese and ate my chicken hot sauce noodles in front of the television. Then at midnight, I brought in the New Year's sipping champagne all by myself. I was in bed a few minutes after 12, my thoughts full of Steve. After six years... The memories aren't as painful as they were in the beginning. What continues to haunt me are the last minutes of my husband's life. I wonder what went through his mind when he realized the huge semi had crossed the yellow line and was headed straight toward him. I wonder obsessively if his last thoughts were of the children or me, or if in those split seconds 
There'd been time to feel anything but panic and fear. As I lay in bed, I remembered our last morning together, as clearly as if it had happened yesterday, instead of six years ago. April 20th was an ordinary day, like so many others. We both got up and dressed for work. While I made breakfast, Steve shaved. We sat across from one another at the kitchen table and chatted about the morning news. Then he kissed me goodbye as I left for the hospital. An hour later, my high school sweetheart and husband of 31 years was dead. My life hasn't been the same since. It'll never be the same again. I'm still trying to accept the fact that Steve won't come bursting through the front door wearing his sexy grin. Even now, I sleep on the far right side of the bed. Steve's half remains undisturbed. The last three months have been hard. I knew when Amy phoned to tell me Jack had been transferred to Tulsa that being separated from my daughter and grandchildren was going to be difficult. What I didn't realize was how difficult. And then, as if my daughter and her family moving to another state wasn't bad enough, Brian had to go and move out on his own. My son always did display impeccable timing. He got a great job offer, though, and I don't begrudge his taking it for a minute. I just wish it hadn't happened quite so soon. I'm not entirely alone. My friends are here, those I've known all my married life. And my new friends, too. The women I met in the journal writing class. I'm glad I enrolled. It was exactly...